all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Amen. Thank you, Bishop Mayo. Appreciate so very much the opportunity to be here tonight. And it is a delight. Why don't you be seated for a few minutes? I have a couple of things I want to mention before we get in the word of the Lord. But I, uh, I want to give honor tonight to the good pastor of this church and his wife and family. And uh, don't we appreciate the Mayos and Cornerstone for this great conference hosting this wonderful meeting. Amen. I, um, I thought last night when we were at their house and they had served such a fine meal and then they asked Brother Townley uh, to give a devotion and it was an absolutely incredible devotion. But I've always been impressed by Brother Townley's ability with opening comments. I don't. I just don't have the smooth pizzazz that he has. He just. He just got a way of getting up here and saying all the right things. I almost asked him tonight. Just come up here and give me, for me tonight, give my opening comments and then just let me preach. <laughs> because I'm not very good at this. And but I do want to say I'm happy to be here. I'm thankful for the invitation. Thank you for everything. Uh, that beautiful room, the fine basket, and uh, my little granddaughter that I will see in just a few days is going to enjoy a lot that was in that basket. And I'm doing everything I can to keep the grandsons off of it till I get there. And I'm delighted to have my son here tonight and also two of my grandsons, Brother Timothy Bass and Miles and Brendan. I love them very much and I'm quite happy that they're with us here tonight. Um, I wanted to tell, just give you a quick testimony. Last year, those of you that were here remember on the very last night of uh, Summit, with Ari Prado preached, and we had an incredible move of the Holy Ghost that night. It was just phenomenal. And I remember that uh, I, I can't remember exactly how he brought it out, but he talked about not uh, not giving up on those that you've been praying for, that you believe you've been believing God to do a great miracle. Remember that was the direction. And so, at the end, he also encouraged everybody uh, to not just pray for it, but to engage in demonstrative worship and praise and, and thanks to God for what he was going to do. Well, my wife was here with me last year and uh, she was that night quite concerned. She was carrying a very heavy burden. She had a brother who was 72, just getting ready to turn 73, that left home when he was just a teenager uh, he never ever received the Holy Ghost, had never been baptized in Jesus' name. He left home, joined the service, uh, went overseas, and then came back, got involved in the railroad. And so he just lived a, a pretty rugged life and uh, by his own admission. And I had heard my wife for over 40 years of our marriage. I have heard her pray for her siblings, and I have heard her specifically call the name of this brother that had uh, never received the Holy Ghost. She was especially disturbed that night because he had lung cancer and he was in the hospital and it did not look like that he was going to come out alive. And uh, she was just quite, quite concerned. And so that night she had, and I have been, even after he got cancer, we found out he had cancer, was going through all the treatments. Uh, I, I, I saw her... Uh, cry rivers of tears and call his name heard her call his name in prayer over and over again and so that night uh, in that service I, I happened to glance over and I saw her as she was dancing and shouting and on the way to the hotel room that night she said honey 
She said, God heard my prayer tonight. And I'm going to hear something good about my brother in just a few days. Amen. And so that was on Friday night. On the following week, he got out of the hospital. And the Sunday, it would be like nine days later, the following Sunday, he walked into his nephew's church. They had to basically almost help him down the aisle. He came to the front while worship service was going on, lifted his hands in his weakened condition. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. They baptized him that morning in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. For the next three months, the next three months, he did not miss but two church services in his condition. He was there every service. He was on his feet, preaching with a preacher, worshiping God. He was on fire for God for the last three months of his life. When he died, he died full of the Holy Ghost. He died living for God. And it was right here at Summit 2016 that God turned the tide in that situation. Hallelujah. Woo! Thank God. Amen. And I have anxiously looked forward to the opportunity to be back here and testify that what Brother Prado preached was right. It was true, and God proved it to us. Don't stop praying. He can still do it. Hallelujah. Thank God. Thank God. And so that is in honor to God and His great power and great glory. Praise the Lord. I want to read tonight from the book of Luke, chapter number 1. Now, they've got me all hooked up here tonight. They strapped this thing to me. They said it was for the purpose of recording and sound. I kind of thought maybe it was one of those deals that they put on those bird dogs, that one of those collars that they shock them whenever they get too far out. So I hope that's not the case tonight because I might just get a little far out here tonight. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Amen. Luke chapter 1, verse number 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of David forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth... She has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Amen. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth. 
She has also conceived a son in her old age. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And I want to preach tonight on this thought, the Elizabeth Connection. Amen. The Elizabeth Connection. Would you lift your voice and give God praise one more time here tonight? Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. What a mighty God you are, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Can we turn that speaker this way? Bless the Lord. And everybody shout amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I think it's worth a moment or two of time tonight to review a little bit about the times in which Mary lived. Uh, without really getting into a great deal of detail because there is a lot that can be said about the current times that Mary lived in. But we can say that it was not the best of times. And I believe that uh, whenever you do a little bit of study, uh, we know that the, uh, the religious system of the Jews of that hour had been fractured into many different parts. Uh, You had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees, you had the scribes and the priests, and there were others, and they were all vying for position and power among the people of God. Uh, We know by the words of Jesus that the Pharisees uh, pretended uh, spirituality by standing on street corners and praying long prayers, using nothing but vain repetitions. Uh, We know that the high priest office uh, had become more political than spiritual. And then, of course, you can add uh, to all of this the fact that they were living under Roman rule. And so we also know that uh, this time was the time where they were coming out of 400 years, uh, where that there was no prophetic utterance. Uh, And, well, I think it could also be said... uh, that not only was there not a prophetic utterance for 400 years, but there had no, been no spiritual works, no supernatural works that had been done. At least we don't have any recorded. And so we know that uh, in the time when Mary had her visitation, uh, that the miracles of centuries past were nothing more than just faint memories in the minds of the Jews. The miracle of the Red Sea parting and the Jordan's River rolling back. The manna that fell from heaven uh, every morning in the wilderness. The walls of Jericho falling um, as a result of the people of God shouting um, and marching around the walls. We know that all of these uh, were recorded in the annals of Jewish history and in what we have today as the Word of God. But it was not a current expectation of that time. Uh, It was not something uh, uh, that you could point to and say that all of these things uh, were present, current, uh, supernatural events that were taking place. Uh, It was mostly the memories of what God had done and how God had worked and how God had visited His people from time to time and gave them great victories. So it would stand to reason that the visitation of the angel that came to Mary was without a doubt a shock to her. She was troubled by the words of the angel and she cast in her mind or she tried to figure out what manner of salutation this should be. In other words, she asked the question, in essence, what is this all about? Then we know that she gets the explanation how that she was going to have a son and that she would call his name Jesus and um, the, the, the description of his life and his ministry, everything contained. And she asked a question and that question was this, how shall this be? Her response was, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now the reality is, she knew that it could happen. But she did not know how it can happen in her current state of life. 
Amen. She understood I don't have the proper relationship that would produce a child. And so consequently, how shall this be? The question was not one so much of unbelief, but it was one whereby she just desired to understand what was being promised to her. The reality is that memories of miracles were so distant in their mind and the workings of God's power was so distant in the history that, that, that she really had nothing to work from. She had no one else that she could look at and she could say, this has happened to them so it can happen to me. She had no reference point. She had no one that she could use as an example and believing that God could do for her what he had done for others. Because even in this particular time, it had been many hundreds of years since there had been a recorded miracle, a recorded supernatural work. So they were far removed from the reality of what God could do. She had no reference point. I feel like that we're living somewhat in comparable times tonight. Because when you look back on the century prior to this one, when there was a great outpouring beginning on the west coast of the U.S. and spreading all over America, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost at the beginning of the last century, it swept America from north to south, east to west, border to border, and coast to coast. People were getting the Holy Ghost. They were getting the Holy Ghost in the city. They were getting the Holy Ghost in the country. They were getting it at every, it seemed, every crossroads of America. That families were being impacted and families were being affected by the great outpouring of of God's Spirit, thousands upon thousands, in so much that I became convinced in just talking with people in the 60s and 70s and 80s of the last century, that there would be few people in America whose family had not been affected by the apostolic message, that had not been touched by the apostolic truth, by this wonderful experience in the Holy Ghost. Ah, clap your hands and praise Him. Hallelujah. Amen. But time has passed. And now we are living in an American society that has been so influenced by the world of Hollywood and the sports arenas. And not to mention the infiltration of the drug culture that has removed many families from any kind of a spiritual anchor. Now we have two and three generations that have no clue as to what God can do. They have no memory of the present touch of God and the power of His presence. Amen. Right here in America, we are currently dealing with a major anti-Christian sentiment. It is sweeping our nation from all across America. There are those rising up. They want to remove the Ten Commandments from our courthouses. They want to take any kind of reference to God from every point and place that you and I have been acclimated to seeing it in the past. So I'm telling you, we're living in an hour where that there are people across our nation that have no idea what God can do. They've got no idea how God can operate. They've got no idea of the supernatural power of God. Amen. But it's not just here. In foreign countries, 
There are other nations that, uh, that, that this, uh, this same, uh, uh, manner in which we have been affected, uh, they are being affected also. Other nations, there has been a major impact on their national culture and on their identity by way of social media and television programming. There is a westernization of the world that is right now in overdrive for the very purpose and intent to drive people as far away from God, to drive people as far away from any thoughts of God. They want no kind of infiltration of spiritual things among us. Amen. And so what we have now, and I have, I have people in my family. I have family members that I could point to that, that they have grandmother that used to pray and seek God. She's passed on now. But these, these grandchildren of my grandmother, they have no clue about living for God. Their minds have been so distorted with the liberalism of this hour that they question everything associated with God. They've got no spiritual anchor in their life. They have no understanding of what God can do in the heart and life of an individual. Hallelujah. I've been in foreign countries where that they have told me, they have said this is what it used to be like right here in our nation. But now our culture is being affected and it's being changed and it's all because of the influence of the Western civilization because of the programming of Hollywood. It's changed the manner in which women dress. It changes the manner in which they conduct their lives. Things that used to not have an impact, now it's having an impact. And they said it started in our cities and now it's infiltrating all across our countryside. Amen. And so the problem that we're facing is that we have a generation that we are beginning to see that they have no reference point. They have nobody in their family that they can point to. They have no one in their circle of friends that they can point to and say they had it. They were involved. They, amen, they were in sin. They were in the drug culture. But now God has delivered them. And so all... Hallelujah. There are those that are caught in drug addiction tonight. That they've got nobody in their family. They've got nobody among their friends. That they can look at and say God delivered them so he can deliver me. There are those whose parents have known nothing but but alcohol addiction. They've known nothing more than going from one bottle to the next. And they don't have a clue. They cannot look and see that God delivered their daddy. That God delivered their mama. That God delivered their brother or sister. And God can deliver them. Hallelujah. If you're here tonight in this congregation and you don't know the power of the Holy Ghost and there's nobody in your family that knows anything about the power of the Holy Ghost, it just might be that God would like to use you as a reference point. God would like to use you as somebody that he can point to and say, I did it for them and I can do it for you. Hallelujah. 
Come on. He still delivers tonight. He still delivers from drug addiction. He still delivers from alcoholism. He still delivers from illicit lifestyles. God still breaks the yokes. Hallelujah. Mary said, how is it going to happen? And the angel said, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you. And the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. you got to hear this preacher tonight. If it happens, it will be because the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Amen. And so when the angel was wrapping up his words to Mary, he said to Mary, now, he said, I want you, man, to just realize that your cousin Elizabeth said, now, she is of old age. She's past childbearing. But she's now six months with child. She was barren. She couldn't have any children. But now she's six months with child. In other words, Mary, if you need a reference point, if you need somebody that you can look at, if you need somebody that will help you to understand that I can do this, I can do it right where you are. Amen. I have been preaching for a little over 47 years now. Amen. And I have decided. And I say I have decided. I have made it my lifelong desire and determination. Amen. To preach that God, no matter what the hour is, and no matter what the circumstances are, that our God is still able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all, that we could ask or think. But what I want to show you tonight is that there was a reason why that God could point, the angel could point to Elizabeth and say to Mary, you can use her as your reference point. Because when you go back earlier in this same chapter, there are things recorded there that helps me to understand why that God used Elizabeth. Why that God used Zacharias in the state that they were in. And he brought about this miraculous work so that it would give Mary the one that no one had ever had this happen to them before. That she could believe, that she could have confidence that it would work for her as it did for her cousin Elizabeth. She was barren. And she was of old age, past the child, time of childbearing. But there are some components, I believe, to the miracle that you and I need to note here tonight. Luke chapter 1 and verse 8 tells us that it came to pass that while he, Zacharias, executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. So what we have here is a priest. We have a man that is in the temple. He is in the house of worship. And the word of the Lord said he is executing the priest office before God in the order of his course. So what we notice here is that that Zacharias was just doing his job. He was carrying out his responsibility. He was fulfilling his duty in the house of God. And he was being consistent. 
and he was being faithful. Hallelujah. I've come to preach to some saints here tonight. I've come to preach to a church that I believe wants to see God do greater things. I want to tell you that what God needs, He just needs some saints to show up. Do your job. Be faithful. Be consistent. I am convinced tonight that extraordinary experiences can come in the normal course of just ordinary labor. When you're just doing what you're supposed to do. When you're just doing what you've been called to do. Too many of us are pursuing the magnificent and the grand and the glorious which sometimes God shows up when you're in the trenches and when you're in the prayer room when you're just doing what you're supposed to do when you're being faithful when you're being consistent Hallelujah. Just work your job. I said be faithful on your job. Well, help me, Jesus. You don't ever know when the angel's going to show up. You don't ever know when God's going to show up. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord. Hallelujah. Instead of going to, well, I'm sorry, this is not my notes, but I feel like preaching it here tonight. Instead of going to Walmarts, looking like you just got drug out of the backyard from doing all kinds of dirty labor, you need to dress yourself up. You don't know when God's going to give you a chance. You don't know when God's going to give you an opportunity. We need saints that look like saints. At Walmart. On the job. (laughs) Hallelujah. There were a lot of men in the scripture that were just going about their daily activities. Just doing what they were supposed to do when God showed up. Amen. Moses sees a burning bush. On the back side of the desert while he's watching the flock of his father-in-law. A bush starts burning and is not consumed. And God turned his life around. Set him on the road to being the leader of Israel for 40 years. Gideon was threshing wheat by the wine press. When the angels showed up. Manoah's wife was just being a good wife. I said she was just being a good wife. When the angel of the Lord showed up and said, I'm going to give you a son and he's going to be a deliverer. Elisha was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen when he was called to be a prophet. David was watching his father's sheep. When he got a chance to kill a lion and kill a bear, he went back to watching his father's sheep and then he got a chance because he was just doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was doing what his daddy told him to do. When he went down to, to, to check on his brethren down at the battlefield and God opened the door for him to bring a giant down. All I'm trying to tell you tonight is that if you just do it, every day live for God. Every day walk with God. Every day be a witness. Amen. The miracle, the promise of the miracle came 
to the man that was just being consistent. I got to move on. I know it. But I'm going to tell you, we've got, excuse me, you said the voice of the elders. And, 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 I, and I love, and I'm having, a, I'm, I'm struggling with this elder business. I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. I'm really struggling with it. I know I'll be 64 this year, but you got to realize when I started preaching at 16, the elders were 35 and 40 years old. And then when I got to be 35, the elders were 50 years old. And then when I got to be 40 to 50, the elders were 65 years old. And now, in my mind, the elders are 80 years old. I'm not in that group. I'm struggling. The struggle is real, folks. Amen. But I just want to tell you tonight, and I love them. I love young preachers. I thank God for another generation coming on. But just let me just tell you, if God has called you, and you're working under your pastor, and your pastor's training you, just be faithful. Just be consistent. You don't know when God's going to show up. Hallelujah. Come on, don't go pursuing the limelight. Don't go, don't go pursuing the bright lights. Don't go pursuing the things that you think are what you really are dreaming for. But realize if I'll just be faithful, if I show up for prayer meeting, if I show up for work day, if I show up for Bible study. There'll be a point when you'll have a supernatural experience. But don't chafe where you are right now. Don't chafe in the position you're in. The Bible said that that, that Zacharias just came back to the house of God in his course. He was doing his job as was his custom. Amen. Just be faithful. I said just be faithful. Just be faithful. Faithful to your church. Faithful to your pastor. Faithful to God. Now verse number 9 said, According to the custom of the priest office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. His lot... His job, his responsibility was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. He didn't stop at the door when he was walking in to find out what his job was. On his way to the house of God, he already knew what he was supposed to do when he got there. Woo, hallelujah. And so, for those that may not understand, incense here represents our worship it represents our praise it represents our prayer life i am amazed i am amazed at how many times pentecostals have to be told what to do when they get to church When I come to church, I already know what I'm going to do. I've come to worship. I don't need a cheerleader. I don't need a, a reminder. When I came to the house of God, I know what I came for. I come to worship Him. I come to praise Him. Ah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And forgive me if I sound a little bit strong here tonight. But I'm just going to tell you it's not time for us. 
to somehow relegate our spontaneity in worship and relegate our demonstrative worship to some back room somewhere because somehow we have graduated to a point where that now we need to try to be a little more formal when we come to the house of worship. I got news for you. This thing was born in the fire. You hear me? They were drunk on the day of Pentecost. You need to come in saying, look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me. Hallelujah. Some of y'all act like you come to church good. You act like you come to church perfect. You act like that you got in the church and you really didn't need it. You just kind of like what you felt when you got here. I got news for you. You were dead in trespasses and in sins. You were lost. You were on your way to hell. He set my feet on a solid rock. in Jesus' name and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking with other tongues you don't have a right to come to church and sit on the pew and do nothing come on you don't have a right you don't have a right miracle the one that got the miracle was the one faithful the one that got the miracle was the worshiper what to do hallelujah and when the worship leader is trying to pull worship out of you like pulling eye teeth there's a problem there's a problem when you walk in that door you ought to walk in saying I've come to praise I've come to worship Amen. And so then the book said, verse 6, that they were both. Somebody say both. Everybody say both. Zacharias and Elizabeth. They were 
both righteous before God, walking in all His commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Who got the miracle? i tell you who got the miracle. It was the folks living right. The song said, what's wrong with living right? What's wrong with a lady looking like a lady and a man looking like a man? Hallelujah. I'm sorry, you come too late to tell me that wholeness is out of style. And that separation from the world is out of style. It's right. What I'm reading about Zacharias and Elizabeth, it tells me something. It tells why God chose them to be the reference point for Mary who needed somebody to say, He can do it for you. He can do it for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know whether to say it or not. But I'll just go ahead and tell it anyhow. Because I just got to tell you today, it's not radical Islam. That, that with all of that radicalism that is going to meet the need... Because the only thing they look at is death and destruction. I want to tell you who's going to make the difference in our world. It's going to be an apostolic church full of the Holy Ghost. Looking like they are separated. Oh, hallelujah. God help us when apostolics are showing up at the football games and at the baseball games and at the best. Come on, where are you tonight? Don't use your emotions for that which cannot satisfy But use your emotion. Use your energy. And if I went down that road very far, it wouldn't be long before it would take me a while to get back. So I just better move on here tonight. They were righteous. You hear me? They were righteous. They were blameless. I don't think these things are in this chapter for no reason. I think there's a reason why God put all of this here. I'm preaching to you, Elizabeth. I said, I'm preaching to you, Elizabeth. Scripture said that they were righteous. And then it tells us, they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years and so they had a problem they had no child they were barren they were not productive and there's a lot of preaching right there amen come on church we can't be non-productive and we can't be guilty of being unproductive Verse 13 said, but the angel said unto him, 
Fear not, Zacharias. Now listen. For your prayer is heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. I like that. Because what I see in this is that Elizabeth was barren. And that she was now well stricken in years, which means that she was past the age of childbearing. However, Zacharias is still praying for that son, even though it was well past the time that he could expect to receive it. No rhyme or reason to expect it was going to happen. But he kept on praying anyhow. You know why he kept on praying? He had a reference point. He knew Abraham and Sarah. I said he knew Abraham and Sarah. God, you did it for Sarah. You can do it for Elizabeth. God. I'm going to go back and tell you again, don't stop praying. Hallelujah. My wife prayed for 40 plus years and she saw it before her brother died. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. It might look like it's over. It may look like it's done. It's impossible. He just kept right on praying. I want to tell the whole missionary pastor tonight, keep praying. I said keep praying. How many did you start with? Zero. This man started with zero. He wasn't a zero, but he started with zero. Amen. Look where we are tonight. Hey, home missionary pastor. If he could do it for Rick Mayo, he can do it for you. Yes! Don't change your message on holiness. Don't change your message on righteousness. Keep on worshiping. Keep on being faithful. Keep on living right. Preach it. Preach it. There's a miracle on the way. God's going to show up. Your prayer's heard. And you're going to have a son. And I want you to call him John. Wait a minute. There's 25 Zacharias's before me. We've been having the same Zacharias revival every year. Amen. Every Zacharias has been born. He's come to the temple. He's offered up sacrifice. He's, he's lived right. He's done all the things. I, I, I'm assuming whatever the case might be. But the Lord said, look. You've been praying, but I'm about to do something for you that is not going to be the same Zacharias. Now, thank God for the Zacharias that was praying. Thank God for the Zacharias that was living right. Thank God, but this is not going to be a Zacharias revival. This is going to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. 
Amen. Now, all right, I finally got to my message, so I got about five minutes left. I feel the spirit of Larry Booker on me tonight. I'm finally here. Hallelujah. And so, all of this is important. But here's what I find significant in this whole story. And that is that whenever the angel says to Mary, Mary, I want you to, I want you to go check on Elizabeth. If you need a reference point, if you need somebody to help build your faith, if you need somebody to kind of connect here in the situation you're in, go, go, go talk to Elizabeth. Because she is of old age, she was barren. But right now, she is six months with child. You know what I find interesting there? Is the angel didn't say a word about his consistency and his faithfulness. And the angel didn't say anything about his worship and how he offered up incense. And the angel didn't tell Mary, go down there and check out their lifestyle and how they live. Don't go down there and, and, and see their prayers and how they pray consistently and faithfully and fervently. But I want you to go check out the fact that there's a supernatural work that's going on in Elizabeth's life. Hallelujah. There's something supernatural going on inside of Elizabeth that you can connect with, that you can identify with. I find it interesting that it was a six-month period between the time that, that Elizabeth conceived and Mary got her promise. And the Lord sent Mary down to Elizabeth's house. I have to believe there's a reason for that. And I'm not going to be crude tonight, but I will tell you that six months is long enough for it to show that she is with child. Six months was long enough for it to be evident. Six months was long enough. Now, Elizabeth, amen, carrying that child, she didn't have, I don't know that she had any idea that Mary was on her way because Mary lived down in Nazareth. And Elizabeth was probably outside of Jerusalem. It was in the, it was in the temple where Zacharias performed his service. The Bible said it was a town in Judah. And so by approximate, it was somewhere between 80 and 90 mile journey that Mary had to undertake. And she didn't do it in a Cadillac. And she didn't do it in, uh, even on the back of a donkey. She walked as near as we could tell. That was how they traveled in those days. She traveled. She walked. It would probably have taken her five days to arrive finally at Elizabeth's house. But the whole journey that she's on in her mind, she's thinking, I've heard the word. I've heard the promise. He's told me what he's going to do. Now he tells me that something, that there's a place I can go. There's someone I can visit. Hallelujah. Every step of the way, she's thinking, I hope it's true. I hope it's true. I hope it's true what the angel said about Elizabeth. I hope it's true what he said is going on in her life. I hope it's true when I get to that apostolic church that it's really like they say it is. I hope it's true that it's really the way they describe it. I really hope it's true that there's power there. I want deliverance. I need to be set free. There wasn't but one thing that, that Mary wanted to see. When that door opened up, she wanted to see one thing. Is Elizabeth going to have a baby? That's all she wanted to know. She didn't want to know anything else. (laughs) 
Well, I can feel it already. As a matter of fact, as some are given to do when they hear a man preaching like this on Holy Ghost Radio, they automatically start judging what the man is preaching and what his motive is behind his message. And I'm really getting just a little bit weary with that. I'm getting weary with preachers talking about other preachers' message and they're not even there to hear it. They're not even there in the atmosphere. They don't even know what's going on. Amen. And some of us show up to camp meeting. And the only thing we got our mind on is we're looking around to find out who don't look like us. Amen. Who's not dressed like us? Who's not acting like us? Hallelujah. Amen. We want to judge every song that's being sung. We want to, we want to critique everything that's going on. We want to critique everything. And I listen, listen, I'm just going to tell you, I, I travel this country border to border and coast to coast. And, and I see a lot of things and I hear a lot of things. I just don't say a lot of things until I feel what I'm feeling right now. I'm going to tell you right now, when that man walks in that door and his life is un, upside down, he is torn by sin when he walks in the door he don't even care who the pastor is he don't care who the musicians are he don't care who the singers are he don't care what's all he wants to know is is Jesus in the house is Jesus in the house is there supernatural power in this place can I really be delivered? Now, if you think I'm minimizing anything I've preached so far, you have completely missed my message. You have completely missed what I'm trying to communicate here tonight. Amen. If you discount everything I've already said about worship and about standards and about living right and about prayer and about consistency and faithfulness. And, and if you think that what I'm preaching right now, somehow it minimizes all of that. You, you're missing my message. I'm trying to tell you that the world, when they come, is not for our standards. They'll get that. It's not for the way we pray. They'll get that. When they walk in the door, you know what they want to know? Is Elizabeth going to have a baby? Is Elizabeth going to have a baby? That's... We gotta have revival. We gotta have the outpouring. We gotta have it. We've gotta have it. Mary's on her way. I said Mary's on her way. Some of y'all not hearing me. I said Mary's on her way. Mary's heard. Mary's coming. She wants to know, Elizabeth, are you going to have a baby? Elizabeth. heard the knock on the door and she opened the door the word of the Lord said that whenever that Mary greeted her all she did was offer a salutation 
And when that happened, the Bible said the babe leaped in Elizabeth's womb. There was a connection made. When that sinner walks in that door, there ought to be something leap inside of us. There ought to be something moving inside of us that says Mary's in the house. Mary's in the house. You ought to be so full of this when you're walking down the aisle at Walmart and you pass somebody and you feel something. You stop them and you say, hey, I just felt something when you pass by. Is God talking to you? Is God working on your life? Is anything too hard for God? Nothing is impossible. Elizabeth, you need to get ready. We need to be so full of the power, so full of the glory, that when Mary shows up, she says, it's just like I was told. Just like I was told, it's happening, it's happening. I'm telling you right now, amen. In 2017, Elizabeth, you hear me? You hear me, Elizabeth? You need the power. We've got to have supernatural glory. Ghost in this house. What meaneth this? I feel power. I'm done. You do what you feel like doing here tonight. I'm just telling you it's time for Elizabeth to be so impregnated with the power of God, so much supernatural spirit. Amen. Come on. Come on, Elizabeth. We need some folks in this house that'll come around the front and that'll say, make me an Elizabeth. Make me an Elizabeth. I want to be full. I want to be full. I want to be saturated.